Hi again everyone, welcome to East Redland Anglican this ninth Sunday after Pentecost, the 2nd of August 2020. Our Gospel reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. And we're talking about the famous story of the feeding of the 5,000. Looking at it from a different angle today a little bit, we're talking about the significance of bread in the language of people and how that sort of comes into our language as church. So we hope you'll enjoy and we'll see you soon. The Lord be with you. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew, chapter 14, beginning at verse 13. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now when Jesus had heard about the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they might go into the villages and buy food for themselves. And Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Would you please be seated? Now, if I was to say words like Anzac or phrases like Brisbane Broncos or the Brisbane Lions or, for that matter, the Winner Manly Seagulls, it's a football team as you're probably all familiar with, we used to follow them as kids, those things immediately call up a whole range of emotions, loyalties and memories. Although the Broncos' performances at the moment are really putting a strain on some of that. Um, and to be fair, all of that then depends upon our context, our associations and our interactions. But I think we can all accept, I think, that these are words and phrases that are rich in association for individuals, for different groups and people, and in some cases for the nation. And it was really brought home to us in Newcastle, um, being sort of lone Queenslanders in amongst a whole heap of uh, people from New South Wales. You really start, when you see things that remind you of home, you really hold on to them tight because of those very emotions, loyalties and memories particularly at origin time, it was pretty full on down there. And that was mostly my doing because I was stirring everybody up. Um, now the same is true for the Jewish people at the time of our Lord when the word bread was used. And I know that sounds silly, but it too caused deeply held memories, convictions and feelings 
to well up for the individual, the group and the nation. And these memories um, and convictions and feelings start, I think, with the memory of the 40 years in the desert as they wandered from slavery in Egypt to freedom in the Promised Land. Because during that time, as you might recall from the biblical stories, they were fed with manna, the bread from heaven. So, and another memory that would have come up for them was the gift of the Promised Land. Now, every time a Jew has a meal, the head of the house breaks bread and remembers that gift. Now, why? Because God gave them the land and as such, they have food to put into their mouths. And of course, all of this is then summed up in the use of unleavened bread at the feast of the Passover. So bread here is a loaded term that means freedom, protection, food, sustenance. But the important thing about this is that it's God's freedom, God's protection, God's food and God's sustenance. Bread is that potent word that represents everything that comes from God. Now, a good example of, what I'm, of this sort of thinking is found in our first reading from Isaiah, and it says, Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? and your labour for that which does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. That's to say, God's truth and the worship of him was the bread of life that truly satisfies the depths of a person. So let's take this a bit further into today's Gospel reading about our Lord feeding the 5,000. And of course, at one level, it's an echo of the story of Moses and the feeding of the Israelites in the desert with manna, because Matthew, I think, wants to present our Lord as the new Moses. But there's much more to the story of the feeding of the 5,000. It derives from stories that, other stories that were important to Jewish people at the time of Jesus. Why do I say that? Because the feeding of the children of Israel in the desert was such an important event to the people that at the command of Moses, a portion of the manna was kept in a golden jar. And then that was placed in the Ark of the Covenant and then the Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy of Holies in the temple. So, it, that memory then was to be a perpetual reminder of how God sustained his people. This sounding, does this sound a bit familiar? That perpetual memory of how God has sustained his people through the bread of life? Unfortunately, that, um, the Ark of the Covenant was lost when the Emperor Nebuchadnezzar stormed Jerusalem 700 years before the time of our Lord. But there's a story that the prophet Jeremiah took the manna and the ark and hid it in a cave. And you can read that legend or story or whatever you want to call it in the second book of Maccabees in chapter 2, verses 4 to 5. And that place, the place of the cave, was to remain unknown until God gathered his people again and again showed his mercy. Now, in the time of our Lord, the rabbis taught that when the Messiah came, he would be the one 
who would reveal this hidden bread and then feed his people again in the wilderness. So that's the backdrop to what's going on today. So you can sort of see how this is, all of this stuff out of Jewish history is now starting to dovetail into what Jesus is doing. And this, I think, is how Matthew understands and interprets the feeding of the 5,000 by our Lord. This is the Messiah and in the wilderness he is feeding his people with the bread of life. So twice Matthew tells us that the people are in a deserted place. And actually the Greek word used here is eremov, which literally means desert. So Matthew is being very explicit about where Jesus is and what he's doing. And then to emphasise and underline and bold type it, the significance of this event and who Jesus is, he tells us that there's 12 baskets were gathered up with leftovers, which may signify the 12 tribes of Israel. Because what we have to remember here, it wasn't only the Ark of the Covenant and the manna that was lost in the invasion of Nebuchadnezzar. The 11, well, so were 11 tribes of Israel who were deported and lost to history when they went into exile in the vast Babylonian Empire. So what, we're seeing, so what we see here is the Messiah, it's the Messiah who will be the one who brings back and gathers the lost and feeds them with the hidden manna. Again, the people will be fed and satisfied. So what we can see here is this gospel story isn't just about the miraculous delivery of 5,000 packed lunches in the desert. The gospel here is dealing with the big question, who is this man from Nazareth? And Matthew seems to be quite clear in what he's saying, that this is the Messiah, this is the new Moses who ushers in the age to come. But there's more. The gospel is more than just looking back at uh, a fulfilling of history. And Matthew does that a lot. The prophecy fulfillment is very strong in Matthew's gospel. But it also, I think, is looking forward to the end of time. And we see this in the action of our Lord. Note the words that were used in, as he's doing the, uh, blessing the bread. He takes the bread, he blesses the bread, he breaks the bread, and then he gives the bread. Does that sound like a sequence you're all familiar with? Even the words are the same. It describes, it's describing what we do as we gather together to celebrate the Last Supper. So Matthew is saying that the manna, the hidden manna, is now not just a piece of bread stuck off in, a, in, a, in, in the ark somewhere. Rather, it's a person who feeds, sustains and transfigures us by his very own life and being every time we gather to be his people. So now when we want to think of God's freedom, God's protection, God's compassion and God's acceptance and love, it's not just bread, it's the bread of heaven, the Christ, the Lord Jesus. That's the daily bread we ask for in the Lord's Prayer. That's why we always use the Lord's Prayer just before receiving communion. For every clause of that prayer is completed and perfected in our receiving of our Saviour in Holy Communion. So the Eucharist is the moment when the Church is truly itself, the gathered and forgiven people of God, sustained by the life and being of the Messiah, at union and communion with Christ our God. And as such, this same Lord 
comes to us in the wilderness, just as he came to Matthew's church to feed us with his own life. Now, having said all of that, and to tie all of this together, our task is to receive, accept and respond to the bread of heaven, to be his disciples, so that all people who are lost may become God's people through the eloquent witness of our lives, our care for each other and our compassion for those lost in the wilderness of the 21st century. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That brings our podcast to an end for this week. If there's anything more you'd like to know about the parish, you can always check us out at our website, which is www.eastredlandanglican.com.au. You'll be able to find lots of links there to our Facebook page, to our Vimeo and YouTube channels, and to our Apple Podcast channel. You'll be able to go through the website there and find out any other information you want to know about our service times or baptisms and confirmations and things like that. So check us out there, um, have a look, and if there's anything you need, please don't hesitate to send us an email or give us a call, um, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. God bless.